On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about people losing faith in religion. Yes, especially in religious institutions. Some surveys are indicating there's sort of an all-time low in public opinion toward organized religion. We want to talk about why and what might be done about that. All right. It's going to be an important discussion. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 14th, 2019. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Kyle is here tonight. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Looking forward to hearing from you. And thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. We look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. That's toll-free, and the line is open at any time here for you to jump in and share your thoughts. Maybe it's easier for you to talk than it is to type, and it is better for our listeners if you will come and take some of the time away from us so they don't have to listen to us for an hour. Uh, or send an email to questions at collegeview.com and uh, chat with other listeners in the chat room tonight uh, as we talk about this important subject. All right. Uh, before we get to that, we want to tell you about how you can stay constantly updated on what we're doing on the Virtual Bible Study by asking to be on our mailing list. We've got hundreds of people who receive every week an update about our plans for discussion on our Thursday night program. And if you're not getting those updates, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. That's what all the cool people are doing. Yeah, everybody's doing it. Everybody's yeah, I mean, doing if it. If you're not doing anywhere. it, you're not with the in crowd. Yeah, all right. Which is not always a good thing to be with okay. the in crowd. But in this case, we think it would be a good thing for you to be on our mailing list. Okay. And so if you're not on it, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, Add me to the list. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out some questions as we try to do every Thursday before the program asking for feedback. We've got some emailers who've written back to it, give us some of their thinking along this line. But here are the questions we asked. Number one, what do you think are some of the reasons why people have developed a negative opinion of religion in general? Number two, the first century church faced some negative public opinion, yet the church grew rapidly. How did they do this? in the face of some negative public opinion. And number three, what can we do to change this trend in public opinion in our day? Now, do you think, are you trying to connect question number one with question number two? Do you think that the public opinion today is mirroring, it has the same reasons? No, 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 no. I don't think so. I don't think the reasons are the same, but my point on the second question is, the the early church, there were people who were spreading bad reports on them. Right, right. And and so what did they do in the face of that kind of opposition and persecution? What did they do? Okay. Because Now, I think the difference probably would be many of the religious institutions today rightfully deserve the bad press they're oh, getting. Oh, there you go. Okay. I don't think that the churches in the first century did. Absolutely but, not. But, but we just want to use them as an example. What do you do yep. when public opinion is not in your favor? All right. So... You sort of tipped your hat here. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. By the way, you sort of tipped your hat here. Are you throwing 
religious institutions under the bus? You think they are at fault I, I, here? That's I, why people don't people don't like religious yeah. institutions because I think, of I think the religious institutions themselves. Yeah, I think it's deserved. I think it's, let, let me give you some statistics okay. first, though. The Gallup poll people do a yearly survey, and they started back in 1973, and they've been doing it every year since. And this just came out. So we have the 2019 figures. This just uh, uh, And the question is whether people had confidence in the church or organized religion. Um, the peak response. Now, they're looking for people who say they have a great deal of confidence or quite a lot of confidence. The, t- the top two responses were, I have a great deal of confidence in, in religion, religious institutions, the church, or, or I have quite a lot of confidence. And you combine those two, and the highest ever was back in 1975. They've only been doing this since 73. So, But again, that's a, that's a pretty good representation. We're looking at, what, 44 Six. years, 40, over 40 years worth of surveys. Yeah. Uh, and so back in 75, 68% said they had quite a lot of or a great deal of confidence in religious institutions. Last year, it was just 38%. This year, down to a new low of 36%. Basically, one out of three people is expressing high confidence in religion, religious institutions, organized religion. Uh, It's interesting that they survey other things, too. The military gets high marks. 75% 75% plus people have high regard for the military. Poli- uh, the police do also yeah. get high marks. Thankfully, religion still out, out, outpaces Congress. Congress gets the lowest marks. Only 13% of people have well, three confidence than, in Congress. Than Congress but. So I don't know if that's saying much, Kyle. I mean, Congress deserves their low marks, too. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but uh, organized religion is doing badly. Right. And so we, we wanted to ask the question. I mean, it's an, it's an obvious trend. I mean, you can't deny the numbers. Um, uh, so people are losing confidence. They just they don't like I mean, probably that's the easiest way to say it. They don't like organized religion. And you say organized religion is to blame. What do you think in the chat room? you agree or disagree? Is organized religion to blame for the bad uh, public opinion, the co- bad confidence that people have in organized religion? Say, uh, share your comments with the world there in the chat room. Tonight. Yeah, so we asked, first question we asked, what do you think are some of the reasons why people have developed such a negative opinion of religion in general. And it's pretty clear that there is a negative opinion. What do you think some of the reasons are? Uh, And I can tell you, there's just sort of an overwhelming amount of information on the Internet in which people have been trying to get to the bottom of this issue. And so lots of studies have been made. A lot of scholarly articles have been written by various denominational uh, authors and I don't know if if everything they have to say is is accurate, but I do think it's kind of interesting that some of those guys are panning their own approaches to things religiously. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I think you found this link, Jacob, a, a Barna, uh, the Barna Group that does a lot of research. They're probably almost as well known as as Gallup anymore. Barna did some research, compelling reasons why people. Why church attendance continues to decline, particularly among millennials. 
I'm always confused by these labels, millennials and so forth. But You're not uh, one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm definitely okay. not a millennial. Right. Millennials supposedly are people 30 years old. Now. You're not one either, by uh, the way. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so uh, so here's, here's the top five reasons Barna decided. The church is irrelevant. The leaders are hypocritical. Uh, the leaders have experienced too much moral failure. Uh, so... First of all, the church is irrelevant. In other words, they feel like they're not getting how the things that are going on at church impact their personal lives, how, how what they're being told and taught at church has any practical value in their daily living. You know, that, that lies right at, the, at the, the feet of the religious leaders to, to allow their uh, message and their activities to become irrelevant uh, because the Bible is relevant and it is it is perfectly applicable to our lives and what we're going I through. I found another blogger who said the same thing. Our churches do not educate people in the basics of their faith. Churches instead have fallen for the postmodernist indulgence of self, concentrating more on entertainment value than real ministry. Uh, and and this guy he mentions it a couple of times in his blog. He he's kind of undone about skateboard demonstrations in various uh, groups. Uh, but so, l- listen, listen, he makes a progression here. I thought this was kind of interesting. This is why I copied this off. So churches do not educate people in the basics of their faith. They've fallen for the indulgence of self and concentrate more on entertainment. Because our people are not educated, they are caught flat-footed when confronted by opposition even the pastors cannot answer questions because they're generally lacking in knowledge. Their degrees are geared more toward counseling or, or some form of preaching technique. Persons with questions come across skeptical literature in print or online that is mostly written by persons with no better education in the relevant areas. However, because the reader also lacks the necessary education and thinking skills, the base level of what is called common sense becomes persuasive precisely because of their lack of knowledge. So notice how he says there's a progression going on. And this goes to what Barna was saying. There's the, the church is irrelevant. They're not teaching people what they need to know. They're not even informing them in the own, in the tenets of their own faith. Yep. And so people get their faith gets challenged by someone. Their preachers can't answer their questions because the preachers don't know any better than they do because they haven't even been trained in their in their theological schools. They've not been trained in basics. They've been t- trained how to be counselors or or social uh, entertainment directors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and so as he says, people are uninformed. They get caught flat-footed, and then they begin to read what some skeptic puts on the internet. Now the guy that's writing that, the skeptic who puts his his blog out there on the internet. He doesn't know anything. He he doesn't know anything either. But he's on the internet. And I've run into this. You probably have too. I think probably a lot of our listeners have run into this. Well, I read it on the internet. You know, this guy must know what he's talking about. Or some denominational author puts it in a book and suddenly this denominational author who's given some, you know, crazy explanation, suddenly he has credibility where the Local preacher doesn't have any credibility because he's not. He doesn't uh, have a book. He doesn't have a book. Yeah. But the guy who wrote the book doesn't know what he's talking about. He has no. He has no authority. He has no knowledge. But he wrote a book, and so he's considered to be credible. Yeah, because we have an equipped 
the all goes back to the fact rivers. that we're not teaching people what they need to know. But we got fun and games. Yeah. And so and hey, the youth group's doing a lot of things, Kyle. You know, this is great. They're going bowling and they're playing softball. Yeah, I think it's a. It's not relevant. I think it's a failure as. I guess you could say we are. I guess we're organized. We have, you know, our setup here. We have our, 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 we have a pulpit. We have the whole. We're organized as we can get. We're supposed to be doing things in an orderly manner, but we're supposed to be equipping, thoroughly equipping our youth uh, to go out into the world. Because if we're not, we're just we're gonna they will fail within a generation. The church will fall to pieces if we're yeah, not prepared. I think you're exactly right. And you know, Kyle, I don't know if you remember, we we've referenced in the, some past programs how that denominational youth leaders are coming out saying that the youth ministry model has failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 they're not they're not coming from a conservative mindset like we try to possess. They're just saying as a in a practical manner. The people, the kids that that have been raised in, in that environment, are leaving the church in droves as soon as they graduate high school, as soon as they go off to college, as soon as they uh, leave home, uh, they're leaving the church. They're not grounded, and and, and all the entertainment, recreational, social activities, not getting the job done. All right, Dwight's got one that's closely related. It says being hypocritical is one reason, especially with those claiming to be Christians. If we live, act, talk, dress like the world, why would anyone feel the need for religion to change them from their ways just in order to live the same lifestyle they're already living? So Dwight says, if we're not preaching a message that in, compels people to be different, and if we're not living our, different ourselves, why would anybody feel the need to be a part of organized religion? Yeah, because if it, if if we're just if we're just having fun and games, I can go other places that do a better job of fun and games. Yeah. Uh, and so if the church is just, is, is just a place to go to recreate, I can do better than that. Or if the church is just a go- place to go to make me feel good, it doesn't do anything to change my life. What's the purpose? Yeah. And so, you know, the ironic thing is a lot of churches have tried to be relevant today or be popular today by soft peddling on on moral issues and not teaching the truths of God's word, backing off in areas that might cause people to be uncomfortable or have to change. And the irony is that, of it is that it's actually driving people away. Yeah. Uh, uh, how often have we heard preachers? Uh, I know I I personally know of preachers in churches of Christ who said that they won't teach on certain issues because they're too controversial. Yeah. Well. We're selling our birthright when we do that. I mean, if because we—that's what we have. The truth is what we have to offer. God's truth is what we uh, have to offer. But if we're going to hold that back and hold it out because we think it might turn people away, then actually we're selling our birthright. We, we've we've lost what what should be appealing to true to truth seekers. Truth is appealing. And if we hold that out, then we're giving away what should be the biggest draw, the draw of the gospel. Romans 1, verse 16, the power, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. And we're denying the power. And we're trying to supplant, in our human reasoning, we're trying to supplant something else. And it's not working. Denominational people who research such things say it's not working. All right. We've got more to talk about on the other side of the break. And maybe you want to share your thoughts as well. So... We're saying that the religious organizations have a lot of fault in this equation. Maybe you want to share some comments along those lines as well. 
We've got responses from our listeners, though, that put the the burden of responsibility on folks losing faith and confidence in organized religion, put it at the root of our society. And so maybe you've got some comments on that as well. Is Does our society have something to do in this equation? Do they have some fault in this as well? Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Jerry Fralix. I'm a member of uh, College View Church of Christ here in Columbia, Tennessee, and I have a few words to say. Occasionally, we hear parents who say that they don't want to force religion on their children. These misguided folks think they're doing their kids a favor by letting them decide for themselves. They're afraid that there will be some resentment in their children later if religion had been crammed down their throats. If we may be absolutely blunt in response, that is one of the most ridiculous ideas anyone ever suggested. We force many things on our children. We insist that they bathe, brush their teeth, change their clothes, etc. We cram education down their throats by making them attend school regularly. We demand that they do their homework. We force them to eat good food, get adequate rest, and do other things that are important to their health and development. We do all of this because we know it is in their best interest, and we do it even when the kids don't like it. Why is it this such a common sense approach is neglected by parents who are determined to let the kids decide for themselves when it comes to religion? Dr. James Dobson writes, There's a critical period when certain kinds of instruction are easier in the life of children. There is a brief period during childhood when youngsters are vulnerable to religious training. Their concepts of right and wrong are formulated during this time, and their views of God begin to solidify. The opportunity of that period must be seized when it is available. The absence or misapplication of instruction through that prime time period may place a severe limitation on the depths of the child's later devotion to God. When parents withhold indoctrination from their small children, allowing them to decide for themselves, the adults are almost guaranteeing that the youngsters will decide in the negative. God's Word has always taught us the truth on the subject. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 Here's some quotes worth pondering. How a man plays the game shows something of his character. How he loses shows it all. Many who expect to be saved in the 11th hour die at 10.30. What a pity human beings cannot exchange problems. Everyone knows exactly how to solve the other fellow's problems. People who have no charity for the faults of others are generally blind to their own. He does not rise high who knows not how to kneel. One kind of enemy is a friend who doesn't oppose you when you're wrong. The armor of God is awkward apparel for easy chairs. Man, wish I'd said that. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, reasons why people are losing confidence in religious institutions tonight. Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, you know, this uh, this blog that, uh, that we found uh, on the subject, uh, one of the reasons that they mentioned is very closely related to the idea of relevance is they're not learning about God. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I guess when you're just focused on yourself, then there's not a lot of time for God. You focus on what you want, what entertains you, what makes you happy. Not a lot of time or a lot of room there for God. I think that's exactly right. Uh, so lack of teaching and would, would, would it be fair to say that religion has made the mistake of becoming man-centered it's it's man-centered religion yeah. instead of God-centered religion. And that and that's evidenced in in the emphasis on recreation and social activities and so forth. Uh, so lack of information, not teaching 
about God or his truth and focusing on man rather than God, those things aren't working. So that's driving people away. And I think just from a very practical level, like I was saying earlier, if it's just about having a social circle or having friends, having recreation, I think I can do better out there in the world. I think I can find better sources. Yeah, there's better parties. Uh, If it's just a party, I think I can find a better party. Now, you talk about learning about God and about it being self-centered. Now, this gets us back to authority, that we need in our religious activities to have authority because authority is focusing on God. What did God tell me to do? How did God tell me how to live my life? How did God tell me how the church should be structured? How did God tell me that he wants to be worshipped? What is my authority in every aspect of my life? I, I agree. I had that on my list, too, a departure from teaching authority. Because if you teach people that it doesn't matter, then be ready for them to accept that and decide it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you're saying that you think I should come to church services. I'm saying you told me before that it didn't matter. I'm just going to make application of that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I can love God. I don't have to come to church. Yeah. I can love God. I don't have to be at the worship services. I don't have to be a part of any church. And how often do we hear people saying, I love God, but I hate religion. And they try to separate the two. They were taught that. They were taught that when religious leaders told them that they could disregard doing Bible things in Bible ways. So the lack of authority, lack of teaching and and emphasis and demanding authority is is coming back. These are also interconnected, though, too, because when I say it doesn't matter, God said to do it, but it doesn't matter. Well, where does that put God? It's a lack of focus on God. God's not being taught. And so it's all interconnected there. And uh, we see that uh, religious institutions are really falling on their face uh, and uh, are really paying the price for it here as uh, folks are losing confidence. I had uh, uh, one other thing, and I think I think several of our our emailers will probably comment on this, too. And and the Barna survey certainly said this. Leaders are hypocritical and, and the leaders themselves have experienced too much moral failure. I think that that's a big reason why people are losing confidence in religion because they're looking to, to these big name TV evangelists and so forth. And there's been some horrible scandals. Yeah. Uh, probably a couple that stand out in people's mind are Jim, Make, Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart. But those were back in the eight in the late eighties, I suppose. That is when, not why millennials are leaving the church. No, but it started <laughs> no, the that trend. Started the trend, yeah. And, but there's still even even today, the, the a lot of the big names in religious uh, television and so forth, you hear about. You know, they, they are exposed for living ex- exorbitant, extravagant lifestyles. Uh, you know, basically taking advantage of people, begging for money and so forth. And so the hypocrisy and the scandals in organized religion and not to not to miss maybe the biggest one of all is the scandals in the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 sex abuse scandals in the Roman Catholic Church are horrible. Yeah. And and and, and people rip, know and, and people know about that. And the ripple effect is going yeah. into to other groups. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Because people just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Exactly. Matthew five verse thirteen, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Well, people are making that decision. There's hypocrisy, the salt has lost its savor, throw it out. 
yeah. don't want any more of it, lost confidence in it because of the hypocrisy. Yeah, exactly. Let's see what see what some of our emailers have said here. All right. Uh, Kent Bailey uh, in Calhoun, Georgia, hoping to see Kent tomorrow night, by the way. Hope hope uh, to have a little FaceTime with Kent tomorrow night. Uh, and by the way, remind me to mention something about that, Jacob, when okay. we get a when chance get at our break. break here. Uh, Kent says, I sincerely believe that there are numerous reasons why individuals have developed a negative opinion of religion in general. Postmodernism uh, has had a tremendous influence on modern-day society. Postmodernism rejects the concept of absolute objective truth. Remember, we talked about that last week. That you know, basically, is it, truth is what it is for you. Mm-hmm. It, it, your your experience, your community, your your cir- circumstance determines truth. That's postmodernism, and, th- and so postmodernism rejects absolute truth. Kent says this heresy has led some to be influenced in their own thinking to a large degree. If truth does not exist, or if it exists only relatively, there is really no reason to have a positive view of religion in general. The rejection of rational, logical thinking is another reason why some reject the concept of religion. If one does not think logically, there is no rational reason to desire to be religious or even to believe in God. Hypocrisy in religion is also a contributing factor regarding individuals repudiating the concept of religion. Many do not practice what they affirm. So he mentions the hypocrisy that people see, and especially in religious leaders. And we were talking about that. I agree with Kent completely. But I especially like something he said here, uh, how that people have lost in large measure the capacity to think logically. I think I think this may even there may be a contributor here that even comes from our secular education background years ago. There were even classes in logic in, in, in which the principles of logical thought, thought progression, this is true, this is true, therefore this must be true kind of thinking. There were even classes, school-age kids were taught that routinely. They're not being taught that. They're being taught, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? It's emotionalism rather than logical, rational thought. And, and so when it comes to religion then, you say, well, well, wait a minute. This, this, this is true, and this is true. Therefore, this must be true, and people are lost. They, they just don't feel it. They, they don't feel it. They can't even follow that kind of progression. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, I think, Kent's right Some about societal that. Societal trends there that Ken has mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Lou and I were talking about this earlier today. Lou's in the chat room. Uh, and Lou pointed to some societal trends as well, the teaching of evolution, for example. And yeah. people have bought into that. And uh, that, uh, well, there's no higher being than me. And so I guess it's just up to me to determine what I want to do. I think Lou's exactly right. And so because people have been sold this unproven scientific theory of evolution, and if evolution is true, and, and evolutionists will say so, there's no way to compromise the Bible and, and, and the false claims unproven claims of evolution there's just no way to compromise them but in our schools and in our secular education institutions kids have been sold the idea of evolution and here's the church and they're still holding to this archaic idea of a god who created things just a few thousand years ago well that can't be true because my college professor told me that this evolution is the way thing happened and that and by the way there you go again that, that college professor He's got all the credibility. He's got letters behind us. He's got letters behind his name. And so people will accept what he says without question. And therefore, they're going to have, if they're going to accept what he says, they're going to have to discard religion. All right. I think Lou's on on track there. All right. Jim says uh, people have developed a negative attitude towards religion for several reasons. Number one, they're not spiritually minded. 
that certainly is true. Um, and we've got so many distractions today, so many uh, things to and entertain us and, uh, and things to uh, that uh, make this life comfortable and pleasurable that we don't have a lot of need for spiritual things. We're not spiritually minded. Number two, situation ethics now seems normal to most people. So having one standard for all time is no longer popular. That's an idea that uh, we haven't explored here. Uh, the idea that, well, there's there would be an absolute standard, and that standard, even though it is 2,000 years old, is still relevant today, and that hasn't changed, that uh, the things that were written in the Bible are, are still true today and still apply just as much as they did in the first century. You're right. Uh, number three. Many believe that the myth of the Bible, uh, the myth that the Bible is a work of man and thus do not agree with its authority as coming from God. They want changes made. And when mainstream religion doesn't go with that concept of change, they are angry. And so the same idea there, the Bible is uh, is no longer relevant. And it, in fact, it never was relevant because it's not really from God. It's not inspired. Number four, people see so many denominations and believe that we're all just fighting amongst ourselves for their money. So they look at religion as a business trying to get your money. And, well, it is a business. He references Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, et cetera. So for some folks, it is a business trying to get your money, those imposters. Now, false teachers have made merchandise of people, uh, he says there, uh, as the scripture said. I I really think that Jim is on to something there about fighting amongst religious groups, fighting amongst themselves for money. I think a lot of people have that view, that that's really, really the only reason why... They're interested in me is because they want my money, and that's a big turnoff. Uh, and I, I think when we get to talking about what are some of the things that we can do to change this trend, uh, we probably need to comment more about that. Uh, it's not just about money, but but these false teachers on religious television have made it that way, made people think it's that way. Well, and the idea, the whole idea of denominationalism, though, is is a problem. Jesus wanted his believers to be one. They're not one, and therefore, people, uh, religion loses its power in the world. It loses its influence because folks are perverting the gospel, adopting various creeds and catechisms and doctrines of men. Instead of saying the Bible is our standard, we're going to do what the Bible says, and we're all going to be unified on what the Bible teaches. These other doctrines and creeds have crept in, and therefore uh, reduce the impact that believers can have in the world. Yeah. All right. We're going to need to get a break. And when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Um, we need to move fast now. Um, so was... let's, let's look at the early church who, for, for a whole different set of reasons, faced some negative public opinion about themselves. What did they know? I, again, I think what we said earlier got to be borne out. We don't think it's for the same reason. We, they 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 face negative publicity, a negative public opinion in many instances, not for the same reasons that religion today does. But what did they do in the face of an opposing popular trend? What did they do? Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Is my chat room broken tonight? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Very quiet in the chat room. It's quiet in the oh, chat. Oh, by the way, uh, I did have I did have some comments in the YouTube chat window from well, Angela. That's where they are tonight. Okay. Angela's commenting there. She says uh, there are denominations that try to deal with sins in the world in a way that are violent and without love. Uh, sin needs to be handled, but in a loving and constructive way, not with violence. 
There are some denominations that have given Christians Christianity a bad name by being violent against people in sin in the name of Christ. Uh, and so I think that's that, that's an interesting observation. And I, I, I do think that it's possibly true that, uh, you know, sometimes we have not dealt with uh, sin and sinners in a way to draw them to God rather than possibly to repulse them. Although some sinners are going to be repulsed by the truth no matter what. Maybe even a majority of sinners are going to be repulsed by the truth no matter what. But we need to, you know, in, in the book of Ephesians, Paul said that we should speak the truth in love. Yep. And that's what we got to do. Lou in Minnesota has chimed in the chat room. He said Satan has had almost 2,000 years to perfect his influence in the world to change people's hearts away from Jesus. I think he's actually figured out something recently, especially with the youth and using social media. Wow, I think that's right. Uh, that certainly is true. So Satan's been working. He's 2,000 years to perfect his influence in the world to turn people away from Jesus. And that's true, of and course. And it's his full-time job. But he was at it way before that, too. So he's been. Uh, so he's had 2,000 years to try and turn public opinion against Christianity. And even before that, he was turning people, trying to turn people against the one true God. Yeah. Good observation, Lou. All right. Uh, we're going to get a break. When we get back. We'll continue the discussion. Uh, what do you think? Why are people losing confidence in religious institutions? Share your comments in the chat room. We're back right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A financial planner observed that most folks spend more time planning their summer vacation than they devote to planning their most important lifetime goals. That is, without a doubt, a sad but true fact. How can we hope to succeed in life without planning and goal setting? If you want to be a successful student, businessman, politician, and so forth, it takes planning. Surely this same point can be made in regards to our spiritual service to God. In fact, it may be even truer in this particular realm. We might even say that some folks appear to spend more time planning what they will do after supper on a given evening than they have ever spent charting their plans for serving God. It's a sad situation to be sure. The problem is that we've gotten our priorities out of order. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 6, beginning verse 32. Take no thought, therefore, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you see it? Jesus said that we ought not to worry about the things we most often do worry about. And he said that we should give careful consideration to our spiritual work, putting it first in our lives. Christian, are you making your plans to be faithful to God and to be active in his service? Have you spent any time lately planning about the things that are really most important? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Alex Dvorak, reminding you to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Central Time. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we would encourage you, if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, to come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting times and locations at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And maybe you'll want to see what it's like before you come. Kyle, you can help us out with that. You're streaming the services. Yeah, we can get the actually the, um, the full experience. If you watch the sermons live, you can just watch uh, as we go through everything. So what uh, we uh, have the Bible study in the mornings on Sundays, and then we'll have our morning lessons uh, and some Wednesdays we have the I put everything on there for Wednesdays so it's I just trim out the empty spots but yeah it's 
the full experience with them. We want you to see what we're about before you even come. So yeah, that's right. So good. and so now maybe somebody's watching and says, you know, that's different than uh, a church that I'm familiar with that do some things a little different. Wonder why? Well, that's where you come in, Dad. They send you an email to questions at collegeu.com, exactly right. and you can say, well, here's why we do what we do, and here's the scriptures that support uh, this activity in our worship. All right, so and we want to, and we feel a burden to give a book, chapter, and verse. Yeah. Uh, Thus saith the Lord for what we do and yeah. why we do it. So if you, if you watch some of our uh, services and you say, well, that that seems different to me. I wonder why they do that. Uh, send a question. Right. We'll try to answer it. All right. Um, and um, if you have a question about anything, you know, we're trying to be relevant. A lot of religious groups aren't, but maybe you have a question about certain something in your life. What does God want me to do in this situation? What does the Bible teach about this? Well, Kyle, well, we're open to those questions at any time. Questions at collegeu.com. Yes. What they were supposed to give, we're supposed to give an answer. We're supposed to be ready at every moment to give an answer for what we believe. So that's part of being a Christian. Now, it may not be a popular answer. That's true. It may not true. be the answer you want. Or the PC, the politically correct answer is just a. But I think being in line with the Bible says most often you're not going to be politically correct. And if it doesn't hurt, then it's probably not truth, right? I mean, everybody had to be in those uncomfortable situations where, eh, you know, I'm not doing something right there. I need to change that. So uh, that's what we're striving for. Jared is in the chat room tonight. He says the early church may have been successful in growing because they boldly preached the truth without compromising and they took care of the needs of their members and quickly dealt with sin and problems as they arose. I think Jared's been looking at one of your sermon outlines there on uh, how the church can grow. Jared, excellent comments there. And let's, let's get into that discussion you said the first century church had some pretty negative public opinion. There was, a, they weren't uh, getting high ranks in public opinion polls, but they now, were growing. Now, again, emphasizing again, we we the things that we've been talking about modern day religion, I don't think are applicable to the church of the first century. So we, they they were dealing with public opposition, public opinion opposition for different reasons than what religious institutions today generally are, but. Still, they they had this negativity. You know, uh, when when Paul and, uh, would go around on his preaching trips, uh, they were accused of turning the world upside down. Let's see, where is that? Uh, uh, so, if, for, for instance, in Acts eighteen, uh, verse twelve, just one example. Uh, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. Uh, and so, you know, they, they faced that kind of opposition almost everywhere they went. In fact, 17.6 is what you're looking for. What am I thinking? 17.6, read that. Uh, they, uh, they said that they cried out, These who have turned the world upside yeah. down have come here also. I mean, uh, yeah. So, uh, they were certainly persecuted and faced opposition. Paul once, in one place, was stoned and left for dead. So, I mean, uh, they had some things to battle. What did they do? Uh, well, they didn't compromise their teaching. Mm-hmm. They they kept on faithfully teaching the principles of God's truth, uh, which is what we have to do. Uh, uh, we, w- the church's purpose is to be the pillar and ground of the truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. Uh, by the church, God, uh, the world is to know the manifold wisdom of God, Ephesians 3.10 and 11. So we've got to faithfully continue teaching the truth. You, you know, uh, an illustration might be, about here's a college 
And so they're struggling. They're struggling to attract students. Uh, so what do they do? They start lowering their standards so that they can get the students to come. And that might initially work all right, but ultimately it's to their ruin. Mm-hmm. They, it, it, as they keep lowering their standards to bring in less qualified students, they finally will be, lose their accreditation and go out of business because they sold out They yeah. they and, and compromised. And is that what we're seeing in the polls that churches are selling out and now they're losing uh, their draw, their appeal? Now, you mentioned that they were teaching the truth unwavering in Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Uh, Peter uh, and John are standing before the people who crucified Jesus, and they're facing uh, uh, the same consequences, perhaps. And they said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We're not backing down. The first century church didn't back down, even though they were being severely persecuted for their preaching. They didn't back down. They didn't change. You know, they didn't soft pedal. Yeah, well... You know, maybe Jesus is the Messiah for us, but maybe not for you Jews. It's, yeah, it's just what you feel. Yeah, I mean, if you don't think he raised from the dead, we're okay with that. We can all be in harmony. No, they stood for the truth, and they preached it in, in spite yeah. of the persecution. Yeah. Another thing we see that they did, and we commented about this, this is a problem in modern religion. Those early Christians maintained their focus on spiritual things. Uh, and, and so they they warned about and constantly were on guard against the distractions of the world. First uh, John chapter 2, 15 through 70, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. They were constantly being warned about the distractions of the world, whereas religions, religious groups today are actually distracting people with the things of the world rather than the spirit. Back to the analogy of a school. Here's a school, uh, but they got the principal out mowing grass um, they got the teachers painting the classrooms, uh, uh, and and so the people who are supposed to be keeping focus on learning are doing other things that don't have anything to do with learning. How well is that school going to do? It's going to do terribly. Same thing with the, with the church. Uh, our our focus got to be on spiritual things, and we if we get our emphasis off of that, we just not going to make it. All right, uh, time for your comments. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Uh, another thing that they did as they faced opposition is they didn't give up. They didn't yield to the persecution. Uh, Paul said in Second Timothy 3, verse 12, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a definite thing. Uh, persecution, I, I had a definition written down here about persecution. The definition of persecution in the dictionary is any period of systematic oppression, infliction of torture, death, and so forth, persistent, petty annoyance. So I don't know any, I mean, I'm sure it's happening in the world even today in places. Uh, we read about it, which is a sad thing. But in our, in our experience, we have not been inflicted with torture and death. But we have had plenty of persistent, petty annoyances. Uh, and so, I mean, the, the church is persecuted everywhere, some places more physically and, uh, and, and violently. But uh, when, we, when we face opposition of the world, the reaction is we've got to keep preaching God's truth. All right. uh, the apostles, when they were called before the Jewish council in, in uh, Acts chapter 5 and verse uh, I was just referencing this last night in class. I should be able to remember the verse. Acts chapter 5, 
when they were when they were threatened and beaten, it says in Acts five verse forty one that they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So you keep you keep your focus. You keep on keeping on, even when there's negativity. Mohan talks about this. Mohan is uh, from Illinois, sending in his comments tonight. Uh, Mohan says, we see that, that true disciples preach the gospel to those around them. We should do the same as the power is in the gospel not through entertainment, games, and et cetera. Now, can you imagine, you've made this point a lot, can you imagine the disciples being interested in the youth softball team and they're willing to go, they're willing to suffer, uh, to be stoned and hanged upside down for the youth softball team? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, having a, we're having a lock-in at the church, and the Jews don't like it. They're gonna have. They can stone me, but we're gonna have this. We're lock still in. gonna have the lock in. Yeah, the kids, Friday night. Yeah, for crying out loud. Uh, exactly right. Um, and then I had one more thing on my list. What did the early church do? And we got a couple emailers here, Jay. Get ready with those. But uh, we, we know that they did emphasize purity in living. Uh, you already referenced, uh, I think, in Matthew five thirteen through sixteen. You were the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. Uh, let your light so shine before men, that sort of thing. Paul told Titus in Titus 2, verse 8, uh, um, or verse 7, Titus 2, 7, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Paul told Titus, you live in such a way that people who want to say something bad about you won't have anything bad that they can find to say about you. All right, absolutely. Uh, Here's what, uh, well, Timothy's in the chat room. He says, those in the first century were uncompromising in the truth while being nice about it. Uncompromising while being nice about it. That's a good way to put it. And he also says, continual demonstration of how to live by demonstrating grace through works of faith. Appreciate those comments tonight, Timothy. Okay. All right. Uh, Dwight uh, in Ames, Iowa, says, uh, Jesus told us in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. I realize this is a verse going back to worry, but if we do what we are supposed to do, be doing in planting and watering the truth, God will give the increase, 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 7. Thank you for that, uh, Dwight, and appreciate uh, that and that resolve to, 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 to plant the seed, uh, and, and that will cause growth. God has promised it. Uh, Jim uh, says that uh, the first century church grew because disciples were committed to living and teaching the truth, even in the face of opposition from the Jewish community and from the Gentiles. They believed God's word as being powerful and were willing to rely upon its teaching. They had faith in Jesus as the Messiah and believed his message and lived it. Thank you, Jim. Jim. And then Kent says, we need to consider what Paul wrote in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The Jews, Greeks, and Romans all had a positive contributing influence on world culture and society. The Jews had an influence regarding the one true God, belief in a coming Messiah. The Hebrew scriptures provided the purest ethical system then in existence. The Greeks contributed to its fullness of time by the universal diffusion of Greek culture and language. They also emphasized the importance of critical, rational, logical thinking. The Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, which was the universally spoken language, made a significant contribution. The degenerate state of the Greek 
uh, mystery religions contributed to its this fullness of time. People were so disgusted with what they were affirming, they sought some type of freedom from the evil in the world. The Romans also contributed to the fullness of time in three different ways. This was a time of universal peace in that they can control the world. This was a period of universal law and order in the empire. The Romans learned to balance local autonomy, central authority, and the rights of the individuals versus the rights of the state. And number three, a good system of travel connecting their major cities provided the first century Christians with a great opportunity to travel. With this uh, background in consideration of the fact uh, that the gospel of Christ constitutes absolute objective truth and that the first century church was militant and uncompromising in preaching in defense of the truth gave the world a tremendous opportunity to have an alternative to the moral and religious confusion in which they live. All right. So he Thank takes you. a he takes a maybe a little bit different angle on it. Several things. He makes the point that lots of things were coming together, made it a perfect time for the beginning of the kingdom of Christ, but especially emphasizes his last point: the church, the first century church, militant and uncompromising in pre, the preaching and defense of the truth. Okay. Uh, very very important. All right. We need a quick break, and when we come back, what can we do? What can we do? to maybe turn the tide. All right, don't go anywhere. The first Bible study continues right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A survey of self-described evangelical Christians indicates that 61% of them fail to share their faith on a regular basis, even though they believe it is their responsibility to do so. Moreover, nearly half of them said they have not invited a non-Christian friend to church service in the past six months. That information is via Christianity Today. The Word of God says in Mark 16, verse 15, And Jesus said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we're back on the program as we go to the top of the hour now, looking at what we can do to turn the tide, uh, to help people have confidence in religious institutions well uh, the first thing i would point out jacob is i I don't i mean we are in in scripturally organized congregations we're small local independent groups we are not going to probably stem the tide uh, in in our culture in in our nation or in the world but we can have an influence in where we are the place where we are that's all we can do anyway uh i'm not suggesting that that the, those of us who participate in the virtual Bible study, who listen and participate regularly, I'm not saying that we can probably stem that tide because we're, there's a whole lot of more people on the other side 
doing the things that are causing the problem, and there are those of us on this side who are trying to do the right thing. We understand that. But in our sphere of influence. But can, in, within our sphere of influence, there's definitely things that we... And we can, and that'll, and that share will grow as we do our part. And hopefully we're already doing these things. I yeah. mean, it's not like, oh... Well, maybe we better change. Uh, hopefully, we're I already... stop being a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I, I, I didn't know that hypocrite yeah. thing was a big yeah. problem. Okay. I better change. Yeah. Uh, it's not that that we're going to change, but but we we ought to be doing the very best we can in the places where we are. Yeah. Uh, there, there's there's bad there's bad folks out there, and they're doing things that really hurt the cause uh, in general. But in our specific places where we're trying to serve God, we can do the best we can. And it's all the opposites of the things that we've been talking about. Uh, we've got to practice moral excellence for sure. I mean, people are people are looking at us. They're, they're looking to see if there's, uh, you know, uh, a, a bit of hypocrisy in us. And so to the very best of our abilities, we've got to be really living a, a an exemplary pattern before them. So we've got to do that. As Kent put it this way, we can seek to live separated lives from the world. We got to be different. Yeah, we got to we got to stick out be, and be willing to be different. Yeah. instead of trying to fit in with the world. Yeah, uh, we need to keep a strong emphasis on spiritual things. We talked about how the the religious world has gone away. They're just fun and games now, and they're not doing a very good job at that. Uh, and it's and it's blowing up on them. We got to we got to keep our focus on spiritual things. We've got to keep emphasizing. Bible authority, it does matter. God said so. It does matter. We're going to do God's things in God's way. And if ways. you're just doing what you want to do, you're not respecting God. Exactly right. You're not worshiping God. You're yeah. worshiping yourself. Yeah. And, and, and so I had four things. Moral excellence, spiritual emphasis, respect for a teaching and insisting on Bible authority, and finally, perseverance. Keep on keeping on. Uh, I think when you see these trends that we've been discussing in in our study tonight, it gets pretty discouraging. But even in the face of discouraging news, we got to keep on keeping on. Kent uh, in Georgia again says we seek to live can seek to live separated lives from the world. Respect the authority of the scriptures. Uncompromisingly present and defend the truth of God as a de- demonstration that get the Lord's church is different, thus offering stability. To a confused generation. I like the way that he boils that down there. Jim says we can only change public opinion if we stand out. And the only way to stand out is to stand with, stand by, and stand on the gospel. Great way to put it. I like that. Stand out by, stand with, standing with, by, and on the gospel. You know, that is true. We are never going to change the world if we're not different than the world. Yeah. You know, uh, nothing, you know, you, you... Imagine it's been cold here, Kyle. You got you you know it's a little cold in your room. You put a space heater in there. You want that space heater to warm the room up. You plug it in. The space heater isn't any different than the room. It never the temperature of the space heater doesn't change. That room's not getting any warmer. Same it is with Christians. If we're not on fire for the Lord and we're not living like we should, can't expect to change the world. Try. You're not different from the world. You're not going to change the world. Live its message and teach it, Jim goes on and says, even when it's not popular, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, stand against false religion. Do not have fellowship with in any form with the denominational world. Stand fast and stand apart. Exactly right. right. Very good, Jim. That'll be different. Thank you, Jim, for that. And then finally, we have Dwight in Ames, Iowa. We need to live as prescribed in God's word. We need to have faith, have a humble heart and attitude, realizing that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need to teach the truth and not have a milk toast belief. Ooh, don't have a milk toast belief. 
Teach the truth. I've heard it said before, if we tolerate sin, we will, then we will accept it uh, as just a way of life. Then we'll go on to practice it. Even if we live as we ought, we know that we won't change everyone, but we won't be a hypocrite and deterring people from the faith. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Um, he, goes, he, he said in his, uh, his email, he says, um, this is a problem plaguing the church today. So he's. Yeah, and I, I want to go back to something that Jim in Kentucky mentioned. You know, we don't want to give people the impression we're just interested in their money. We need to give people the, the true sense that we're genuinely interested in them and in their souls. That's what that's what uh, it's about. I think so. Uh, in the chat room, Timothy says it seems as though people have lost faith in denominations like Catholics, Baptists, Seventh Day Adventists, even Church of Christ. There's a trend of of non-denominational churches that allow anything and everything, whatever you believe goes. A big one would be accepting those who practice homosexuality. Uh, God is not okay, uh, I guess, with that, yet religious institutions are okay with that. Accepting everyone as they are is a, a cultural problem that's not being dealt with. Uh, we need to live lives according to God's will. Through our example, we can shine as the light of Jesus no matter what we we do God's will, teach what we practice in our daily lives. Don't be hypocrites, in other words. Exactly right. All right. Well, uh, a good discussion tonight. Uh, it is a disturbing trend. And, well, you lay, lay a lot of blame at the religious institution's feet, and rightly so. Uh, those who claim to be believers aren't living like they should, uh, aren't living differently. And, uh, well... Kyle, people look at religion and say, you know what? What's the what's the use? Why why would I bother? Mr. If if I hope uh, they're not basing what the Bible says and not getting a bad connotation, I guess, with what they see on TV about uh, people who say you can buy your healing or buy your faith if you send them money. I hope yeah. not. They need to open up the Bibles and see or come and see what real Christianity is and what it's really about. That's the big thing. So, All right, very yeah. good. All right. Earlier, I mentioned I was hoping to get to see Kent Bailey tomorrow night. Uh, we're both planning to be at a, a religious discussion in Dixon, Tennessee. You might mention this to our listeners in Middle Tennessee. Here's the announcement. I'll read it as written. Uh, Doug Burleson, Associate Professor of Bible at Fried Hardeman University, and Kyle Pope, Gospel Preacher in Amarillo, Texas, will have a discussion at the Renaissance Center in Dixon, uh, a two-hour period of study and discussion will focus on the divisions that have existed between institutional and non-institutional members of Churches of Christ since the early 20th century. Uh, so uh, I think a lot of people might be interested in that, and and you can get more information online if you do a quick search. But tomorrow night, and I believe it's at 7 o'clock at the Renaissance Center in Dixon, real easy to find. Contact you if you you can yeah, send, I, yeah, send me Yeah, send me an email or or. or uh, uh, contact me through the website, and I'll, I can get you more information. That'll be important uh, discussion. Good way to spend be. a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, so if you can make plans to be there, that would be great. Yeah. All right. A very good discussion, Dad. Very important, uh, and certainly challenging for us all as we face the pressures of our society. You know, don't give in. Uh, and 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 it we it, it is a temptation for us all. I think to maybe soft pedal a little bit. Yeah, and, we got to we uh, got to get in the we got to get popular. We got to draw people. Yeah, what's, and and so the emphasis on numbers. I, we didn't talk too much about that, but the emphasis on getting more people is is failing because we're not getting we're not winning souls. We're maybe drawing people, but we're not winning souls. So we do want to. We want lots of souls to be saved. But that's not. It's not just about the numbers. You can draw a big crowd to a football game, but it doesn't save their soul. That's right. 
so very important discussion. Uh, appreciate uh, that tonight. Kyle, thank you for uh, helping us tonight and enjoyed your comments yeah, as well. Good to be here. And uh, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us on the other end of the line tonight, and we hope that you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.